0: For one last time in 2021, we're coming to you with our annual Q and A episode. You don't want to miss this one on the Indie Ball Report podcast. We're back again, episode number 147 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. I'm Nick. He's Will. And we're going to answer all those hard-hitting questions that you have sent us over the past month or so, many of which we've gotten in the last 48 hours. So that was always nice to see a last-minute surge.
1: You know what? That perfectly describes uh, my life as a college student. So you know what, people who uh, sent all of your questions in last minute? I don't blame you.
0: Hey, I can't complain either. About ninety percent of my college work was submitted within twenty four hours of the deadline. it was being due as in I started, completed it, and everything within twenty four hours of that deadline, and I walked away with a three six three gPA so I think it worked out pretty okay,
1: yeah, I think absolutely i think I think that's what uh you know that's what that's what a lot of students do, so and it work ends up working out, and just like that, it'll work out for this episode.
0: oh, you know it definitely will, and so. And for those that are unaware or new to the show and don't know how this whole episode traditionally works, normally what happens is either the last episode of the year or the second to last episode of the year, we uh, park some time to answer a bunch of questions. Because occasionally throughout the year we get questions and typically we'll just kind of answer them as we get them. Uh, But towards the end, you know, it's a nice little thing to do with the the kind of conclusion of the year is a dead period. There's not really much happening, especially this kind of Christmas, New Year's week. So why not answer questions people have? A lot of times it's it's I don't want to say there's similar questions because it's not there's a lot of variety there. But there is also a lot of topics that are they're not really pertinent to any one discussion we have on the show so it's kind of hard to give them the time and this is just like the perfect platform to do so and so that's kind of what our plan here today is we got i want to say about 30 questions if i'm not mistaken probably 30 31 questions give or take so hopefully we'll be able to get through everything here that's our goal like we said leading up to it uh this episode's length is determined by the amount of questions you sent in so that's where it is and, uh, yeah, I, I think with that kind of preamble here, everybody kind of knows how this is going to operate now. One of us is going to read a question, then we're going to respond, and then we're going to move on to the next one. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure if there's anything else here really to add.
1: Let's do it. I, I think uh, we should. that's a good amount of questions for a good episode. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Absolutely. And so with that, we'll just kind of go in the order from which they're written down here. So we'll kick it off with question number one which is mainly directed to you will what is yes. the future of alpb underscore news which is even yes. a question i've had a little bit too because you have uh, haven't posted something in a little while
1: yeah so essentially it's nothing else other than just i've gotten incredibly incredibly busy both at uh school and um certain internships as well uh You know, during during the summer, I know I said I was I I posted that I was taking a break. I tried to keep it up at least when I was in the summer, like when I when I left uh, for an internship in the Cape in the Cape Cod League, um, and then quickly realized that it was um, that it was going to be like next to impossible uh, to do that just because of you know the amount of the amount of time that 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 does go into it. So I think that. so that that's that ended up what happened and uh at least once once school started uh just a lot of um it's uh, i've done a lot of work with uh, my school's radio station on like producing shows uh all these all the calling games for you know different sports right especially right now men's basketball taking up a lot of time it's really more time thing uh, more than anything um, I don't know exactly what my future plans are for it. I, a return, you could say. I won't close the the door on it uh, by any stretch, but it, it's really just um, a time thing that I just. I mean, I barely have time for for, for a, a much of anything uh, free time at this point. At, at this point, I'm just involved in in so many so so many things. Uh, of course, of course, this podcast as well. So, um, hmm. uh. Yeah, it's really it was it's really just a time thing. I I wish I had a better answer, but you know at this point it's it's probably more um, just along those lines that uh, it's it, it just I just didn't really have time to to uh, to keep up with it, and I thought uh, especially uh, Ryan running ALPB Roundup was obviously did an outstanding job during during the season. Uh, so it felt like there wasn't really any content that was being left on the table and any stones left unturned that uh, that he wasn't doing. And so it was honestly more just a it, it's just a time thing more than anything else.
0: All right. I think that was pretty thoroughly answered. And just to quickly touch on one thing, Ryan, we still have to shame you for not putting up your end of year awards to get on that. <laughs> I, I promised Coltac I would shame him and I forgot to do that. So. We're shaming you again this week, Ryan. Every week, this is going to be a repeating thing. Post your awards. I feel like you're getting paid to do a different job. Really, come on now. Come on. On the question two. Do you plan on covering the Pioneer League? Um, the, the thing with the Pioneer League is, like, I want to cover it, but at the same time, I don't think that there's that much demand for it. And it's already, like, a lot of work to cover the American Association, Frontier League, and Atlantic League. And, I mean, you can see through each year which league was getting neglected. Obviously, when the show first started back in, like, 2019, it was very Atlantic League-focused. That was the priority because, I mean, hell, when you looked at the the actual demographic of people listening, it was by and large people from New York, New Jersey. So obviously we're going to cover teams from New York, New Jersey. That just makes sense. Also, you had people in Texas. So you'd focus on teams that are near your listener base. Then in 2020, obviously the American Association was the only one playing, so they got all the time. And then in 21, we kind of kept focusing on the American Association and the Frontier League, partially, again, because where people were listening from, that was... You know, those were the teams closest by, and also it was just easier to cover those teams. And to be quite frank, those leagues were very competitive and very interesting. Now, of course, the Atlantic League still got its coverage, but it wasn't as much as in past years. So, really, I guess the answer for this, at least from my perspective, is it's hard to carve out time for them, especially when I don't know how many people actually want to like hear about the Pioneer League. Now, I have nothing against them. I'm certainly open to covering them more. I think that'll be something that we probably take a more more point of covering, but I wouldn't say it'd be regular coverage.
1: I think you pretty much you pretty much hit it. it's It's really just a matter of what what's the demand for it. Uh, and I think I will say I do think the Pioneer League uh, in in terms of its interest is growing. Mm-hmm. I, I think at least it exceeded my expectations in year one as an independent league. Uh, absolutely. I mean the the fans were still out there. Uh, the attendance numbers were still up. Uh, You know, it's although you mentioned it, Nick, it is a lot of work, obviously, covering the Frontier League, the American Association and the Atlantic League. So that uh, as far as as far as the Pioneer League, not that not that we don't want to cover it or at least from my perspective, not that I don't want to cover it. uh, It's just it's just hard to to do. So it's not like, for example, I know the Pecos League and the Pacific Association didn't end up playing last year. But uh, let's let's assume both of them are playing full and normally scheduled seasons it's not like we cover like uh, the the day-to-day of what goes on over there either. Yeah. Um, and not, not to necessarily uh, compare the talent, since I guess it's really hard to, to yeah. find out, uh, to really pinpoint what a talent level is in the Pioneer League yet, at least from my perspective. Uh, but I think that at least uh, it's just a matter of what's the demand for it. Uh, and obviously it takes up a lot of time covering the there's a lot of time taken up covering the American association, the frontier league and the, and the Atlantic league.
0: Yeah. That's pretty much what it comes out to There's just, there's only so much time because not every episode can be like 90 minutes long. I mean, the ones that get to 90 minutes, normally it's either like a league preview or it's an interview episode. And that's kind of why I don't think anyone really wants to hear us talk for 90 minutes back and forth talking about each different league. Plus at a certain point, it just becomes very hard to talk intelligently about a league. I mean, like already it's hard to keep up with what the about 36 or so uh, independent league or partnership league teams to tack on another eight or 10 teams is uh, it really starts to stretch you thin because there's just no way you could really cover all of that just between two people. It just it, there's no way it's possible to do it well, I should say. So uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So with that said, uh, to number three, what, if any, new markets have you heard about for Frontier League expansion? Uh, I'm going to be honest here. I haven't really heard all too, too much on this front. Um, I'm sure there's stuff going around here. Obviously, it's just kind of the the usual places that you hear kind of being thrown around. Uh, The ones we've said a dozen times before, your Atlantic Cities, your... Old Orchard Beaches, some locations in Canada that really aren't, uh, you know, well described yet. What I'd say is almost more interesting and more of an area to look at is I know a lot of teams that got a, a PDL license, you know, that managed to survive getting cut. I know a lot of them, Major League Baseball is looking at their stadium saying, hey, you do know we don't sign like that long term of a deal here. And a lot of that deal that we signed to keep you affiliated was contingent on you getting a new ballpark so i would almost keep an eye on you know these teams that have maybe not the highest quality of ballpark or at least not up to what major league baseball wants and seeing if they're able to get a new ballpark done that may be more of an area of interest but as far as like new specific markets nothing really i have not heard of it i'm sure like i said discussions are ongoing but i'd imagine that you don't really hear much or see much on that front until we get more into the spring and early summer,
1: and I've been I've been a vocal proponent uh, on this show. Again, normal times, COVID aside, uh, assuming the Canadian teams are on the same playing field as the uh, as the American teams, which you you yeah. really hope that the frontier. I think sixteen teams is the perfect number for the frontier league, and I, do, I don't think that um, when you talk about like looking. Like, of course, the next perfect number in my book is twenty. Yeah. Now, if you went to twenty, you're telling me I don't know if there's four like, excellent markets out there that the Frontier League can bring in, and I don't think they should be bringing in markets just to bring in markets and for the hell of it, can they say oh, we have a gr- we have we have a bigger and bigger league. I don't think that's I don't think that's a smart way to run a business. So I think the league right now, as it's constructed, obviously the Frontier League's had some pretty rapid expansion over the last few years. Um, mm. It's. I think the number sixteen. It's. I think it's perfect. I would keep it there, uh, unless, of course, there's some. There's some. Uh, you know, unless there's a, a golden opportunity comes along that, or a, you, ideally, a, a pair of of opportunities that you just can't pass up. One we might be uh, talking about here in, in a few questions, uh, but I think that um, as far as Frontier League expansion, unless the perfect market would come along. I would I would be more inclined to say that they should and will stick at 16 teams.
0: Yeah, and let's also keep in mind here, they have a traveling team this year after the departure of Southern Illinois. So already yeah. they're kind of being forced into taking a market to solve an issue for 23 that they may not have otherwise took, because I don't see any world in which a traveling team is ran for two years, especially coming off of a a no-play year and a pandemic-modified year. I just don't see a world where all the ownership groups are going to say, "Okay, we'll chip in and and fund this traveling team for two years." Uh, I don't really think that's the case, and I think already as it was, they weren't exactly thrilled about having a uh, a traveling team this year. But it would just kind of reached the point of, "Okay, we need a schedule out, and nothing's really coming along here, so we need to just make a decision and run with it." So, uh, that being said. But There's another question later on about the future of the Frontier League and that traveling team. So we'll come back to that in a little bit. We'll circle back to it. Uh, Number four, you floated the rumor of of clubs potentially moving out of the Frontier League. Can you give any new information on those markets? I will say what this is directed towards. Yeah, I know what
1: it's directed towards. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's a reference to a post I made. I want to say it was the one that announced that Southern Illinois was no longer going to operate. And there was one line in there that I I was on the fence about even putting in there. Because I had only heard from one person in particular that this was a possibility. And it was one club was thinking about jumping over to a different league. I want to say, and I'm like damn near 100% certain it was one club wanted to go to the Atlantic League. Or I shouldn't even say wanted because that's probably too strong of a word. They were thinking about it they were investigating that possibility and so the only reason i threw it out there was i was like oh well if this one thing that we heard a rumor about happens then you don't really need a traveling team because you're down to 14 and then you go seven aside and then your problem solved for you and it's not like you know 14 that got awful of a number you can still make a schedule around 14 teams especially when you're only playing a weird number like 94 games It's not really going to be all too difficult. Um, You'll be fine. So that was more or less that. There really wasn't too much around it. I don't believe there's any new information. I haven't heard anything new about it. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much where that's at. I obviously don't want to say the team itself, but, you know I mean? Yeah, that's pretty much where it's at.
1: Yeah, I haven't heard any any additional details on that, but you know, I it, we obviously the the news or the the I wouldn't even say news cuz that would imply that it's confirmed and it's certainly far from that. I do believe there's discussions on this one end, uh, especially um, I'm trying to think of how to put this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think that there there was a team that Maybe was the, was talking about leaving the Frontier League for the Atlantic League, um, possibly one of their newer teams. Yeah. So no, no pre, no details. But it, but re, let's also think about if that were to happen, it wouldn't happen for a couple of years anyway, just because of the nature of the contracts.
0: Yeah, th- that's part of it too. Plus, there's always other teams too that you can never really, you know, pin down. I mean, there's there's rumors around several teams, but. Obviously, one of them, it's almost like the Boy Cried Wolf one, where it's like forever they've been talking about it, and it's, until it happens, no one oh, believes it.
1: Ro- Rockland is not leaving. I'm not doing Bingo. I'm not yeah. playing this game again.
0: Exactly. Like, that's the best part. Is is Rockland or New York now going to leave? It's like, well, they threatened to leave the Can-Am League for like five years, and they didn't. Then now they're here. If they wanted to leave, they just would have never joined the... Uh, the frontier league, they would have left and went to the Atlantic league, whenever it, it just isn't going to happen. So yeah. Uh, on to question five. Has there been any movement on a new ballpark in London, Ontario? Any previous details you may have heard? I really haven't heard anything on that front. I also think the city of London is probably a bit more concerned right now about overall covid effects on things and i can't imagine the city is too eager to build a sporting complex in a covid society as it is just because obviously with canada outside venue is not exactly going to be a year-round venue but there is just so much uncertainty around things that now really isn't the best time in the world to be building a sporting or entertainment complex it's just not really the best in everything there so i really wouldn't expect too much on that front there. Obviously, though, if something new comes up, we're gonna cover it. But like I said, as of right now, at least I haven't heard about anything in that regard.
1: Yeah, definitely not. I, I think Nick, you mentioned it. It's uh, especially, especially in Canada. There's just no way that they would be uh, signing off into building a new ballpark uh at this time and not not that probably for the next few years and london ontario is always kind of a kind of a pipe dream and a and a and kind of a long shot to begin with so that i don't think that uh, there was anything was imminent on that front anyway uh but yeah i i would be surprised if anything happens
0: yeah, I'd agree with that too. Plus, keep in mind, it's not like it's going to be a small venture where it's a couple hundred thousand to build a new ballpark. It's going to be more like probably 30 to 45 million US to build that ballpark. That's just traditionally what they've ran nowadays. So, like, that's really what you're aiming at. Plus, ballparks nowadays are not built as ballparks, they're built as multi sport complexes. You see, with Gastonia, you see, with just about all the new ballparks being built, Hagerstown being another one, for example, there. If you're building a ballpark, you're building one for soccer, you're building one for softball, you're building one for baseball, you're building one for football, you're building one that can be used as a just a general gathering center, too. So that's why they kind of run up more, plus synthetic turf. It's just a lot that goes into it. Plus, even if they were to break ground on it and let's just say for the sake of argument, 23 that's still probably looking like 24 at the earliest on it. And I don't see 23 even being a real reality because you need a site, you need all sorts of red tape to go through. It it would be a while on it. Um, Number six, are you looking to bring on new hosts? I'll be pretty quick on it. Not right now. I think we're good at two.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think that, the I, I mean the the shows i was on with uh with you and uh with you and James at the time was i mean that that was fun i mean i remember that first episode oh, that, yeah. was a, that was a lot of fun when I, mean, I literally drove to your house
0: yeah yeah that that, that was fun too cuz i didn't realize how tall you were in person i was like holy shit oh, you yeah. a giant <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah like <laughs> well, so, yeah something like that i i'd be open to to something like that but as far as bringing on newer people i'm not sure I, I would want to do that right now. If we was bringing on somebody we we had on in the past or something and doing like a kind of an episode where hey we're bringing back this familiar face, they're gonna do a whole show with us. That that I would be very much open to. But yes, yeah. But as far as like a full time new person, not really. Um, number seven would Lowell work as a possible expansion market for the Frontier League? I'm going to let Will take the lead on this one because this seems like uh, more of his area of expertise. Plus, I know he's talked about Lowell an awful lot.
1: Yeah, I think now to answer the question directly, would Lowell work as a possible expansion market for the Frontier League? I mean, if Lowell was interested in, in working to the Frontier League, I mean, I mean, heck yeah, I, I think oh, that be great. I mean, that would that'd be a home run. And when I was mentioning earlier, if that was uh, something to come along that. You definitely couldn't pass up certainly with that the spot that the Frontier League has to fill with their with their traveling team this year that replaces Southern Illinois. Uh, I think that if Lowell was Lowell was interested in that, um, I think that's absolutely a market the Frontier League should pursue. I'm sure they have. I don't see. I mean, would, to to be quite honest with you, it'd be pretty foolish not to pursue it uh, because because it is such a great market. And a uh, and while we haven't seen a Frontier League. Team in um in New England, that would be a little bit that would be that'd be a little bit of a new uh, area for them. I mean, it's not it's not like you couldn't pull it off. I mean, you have so many teams in Canada. You have you got teams in New York. I, I think in New York, New Jersey, I I don't see why not. I think the 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 spot of Lowell in, in and of itself makes a lot of sense. Uh, so if Lowell is if Lowell is interested in being a frontier league team, I think that's something you you should jump on and like like five seconds um now as far as i mean i just keep waiting for what Lowell is going to do because they were they were let go as part of the contraction uh and it was a it was it's a premier ballpark it's a premier market and just nothing really came about it uh the reds when the red sox president sam kennedy put out a statement about it he seemed to say that we're not closing to insinuate that we're not closing the door on doing something with Lowell in the future. Uh, maybe if something happens on the Salem end of things, or there was a report uh, out of a paper in in Lancaster that was that Salem was possibly uh, looking to that Salem could possibly become an Atlantic league market at some point. So I think those discussions would be had if, uh, if Lowell was to become a Red Sox affiliate again, uh, but, I mean, as far as would it work as an expansion market for the Frontier League, I think the, the answer is absolutely, absolutely it would.
0: Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, Lowell makes a lot of sense, like you mentioned, well, geographically speaking, it's a perfect kind of bridge stopover between going to Canada, and then going down to the general tri-state area. It makes a lot of sense for there. Plus, they can slide right into that Can-Am division, which is currently where the Frontier League traveling team is playing this year. So you could keep Washington with all the other traditionally Frontier League teams. You could preserve any rivalries that exist over there. You could kind of have them still operate almost in the way Major League Baseball did for so many years, which is just you have essentially the Can-Am League, And the Frontier League, they're just playing under one banner, and they each have their own champion that plays for more of a grand title at the end with some interleague play. And that would work out perfectly there. But like you mentioned, it's just a matter of it feels like the Red Sox or any other affiliated team really would like to be in Lowell. Although I think it would be also fair to say baseball is going to be coming back to Lowell sooner than later in some way or another. But just because if it comes back doesn't mean it can't change rapidly.
1: There's no way that that ballpark and that market could just sit dorm, dormant for for a few years in a row. I, there's got to be some movement on that front uh, because that that city deserves better uh, and that ballpark deserves a team in some capacity. And I think that uh, if they're, I, th- I would think that they're holding out for an affiliated team at this point, just because, um, really, just because that. If they weren't, and if there was no hope, why would they not be talking to to Indy Ball Mart? Why would they not be talking to the Atlantic League or the Frontier League? I feel like something would have happened on that front. Or if their owners just wanted to go summer collegiate to cut costs, that would have already happened already. So I, I just think there's there's more to come on that front as far as uh, as as far as the affiliated possibility. But uh, if, if they were interested in working in the Frontier League, that's something the Frontier League should jump on immediately.
0: Oh, absolutely. That's too good of a mark to let go by. Uh, on to question number eight, though, to keep things moving. When is Southern Maryland report coming out? OK, I'm going to assume this is directly related to when are we going to get an episode dedicated to the Blue Crabs entirely. Um, we've talked about them in the past. Um, there's a snarky way I want to answer this, which I won't and then there's the actual answer which is what i'll give i don't really think there's ever going to be a time where we spend a whole episode talking about a team i could see there being a possibility of interviewing someone from southern maryland i think that would be fun to do i could see us spending a decent amount of time talking about them during the season i mean we did this year we spent a good amount of time talking about them then we spent some time talking about them in 2019 so as far as like a sole like spotlight episode, probably not anytime soon. As far as like talking about, or talking to specific people involved with the team or talking about the team itself, possibly
1: to answer the way that, that Nick uh, was answering the question. Obviously we'd love to, I mean, I, I'm sure I'd speak for Nick to saying we would yeah. love to have somebody from Southern from southern Maryland on uh, for for an interview. But, you know, as far as a, an, an entire episode and, you know, maybe an interview, at least in, in the offseason, takes up a majority of the episode. That's just how it ends up going. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't think an episode all about Southern Maryland Blue Crabs is something that's coming down the horizon, nor should it be.
0: Yeah, it, it's not going to be uh, coming up anytime soon there. Uh, on the number nine. Uh, who will be the traveling team in the Frontier League? So I'm going to assume this means are we going to have like a formal team take over that spot or is it just going to be the Frontier League Grays as it, it normally is? I believe that's already been formally announced as the for, the Frontier Grays are going to make it up. I assume it would be an open tryout type thing. I don't think they're going to like bring in a, uh, a scouting league and have them use their guys I could see that more for like a spring training thing. That would make sense, but not as like a formal throughout the year thing. Likewise, I don't think it's going to be like a Pecos League team or anything like that. that's going to come in there and play. Normally, the Pecos League kind of fillers belong to the Can-Am League and the American Association, the Frontier League, the Frontier and the Atlantic League. Sorry, Uh, those two are normally the ones that build their own uh, Road Warrior or Frontier Gray teams. So I was I'd expect that just kind of a random assortment of players.
1: And the only thing I have to add to that is, you know, let's talk about the frontier grays is a great example or I shouldn't say great example, uh, a great reason to bring up Nick Anderson, the Rays reliever, uh, a former member of the frontier grays back in 2015, uh, before he got picked up by the Minnesota twins. And now I'm just going to read off Nick Anderson's frontierly gray, uh, frontier gray stats, because they are really funny. Uh, for example, in 25, uh, 25 appearances, he had 13 saves an ELA of 0.65, uh, six walks compared to 35 strikeouts in 27 innings. Uh, then he obviously got picked up by the Twins, rap- rapidly ascended through their minor league system, ended up getting picked up by the Marlins, traded to the Rays, uh, and at least before his his injury, uh, the rest is history. So just the only thing to add to that, Nick Anderson, Frontier, uh, Frontier Grays alum, and that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah i mean imagine like that's really like a tremendous story there especially because it's a traveling team in a front in an independent league that's how this guy gets discovered like that that's something else uh onwards and upwards we go to question number 10 favorite episode you've done in 2022 that's a tough one because there's like a lot of them i'm gonna say yeah like because there's two ways to answer this too like and i guess we could also kind of combine this with question 11, which is favorite interview from 22, because those are two different things. I'm going to let Will go while I think about this though.
1: Yeah. To be honest with you, I was going to combine questions 10 and 11, uh, 11 being what the favorite, uh, the the favorite interview. I assume that uh, I assume that these questions, even though they were written as you've done in 2022 meant 2021. Yeah. uh, So I think that for me, At least it was a pretty easy answer. That was interviewing Rick White, the president of the Atlantic League, because that that was just awesome. uh, Just getting to talk to him for uh, forty-five minutes to an hour uh, before before their season and after, like their whole uh, after adding Lexington and West Virginia, now known as Charleston. uh, That that was really cool, and for me, just he was really incredibly gracious with his time, and uh, it was just a really fun time where we got to talk. Uh, about anything and everything he was very open as far as uh, information and uh that was definitely like far and away my favorite episode and interview of uh this past year
0: yeah, see it's still like beyond cool to me that we managed to get the commissioner from each of the three leagues, all within like a 12-month-long period on the show. Right. When you think about because we right. had Bill Lee, too. And that was one of my more favorite interviews, too, doing Bill, for, for Bill Lee there. Because he was just such a great guy to talk to. And you could tell he mm-hmm. really cared a lot. Like, Rick White, too, was great. Because, I mean, like, we had a little bit of trouble early on connecting with him. And then he came on, he was like, sorry, I'm running a little bit late. There's something that popped up. And we're like, oh, no, it's great, you know, if you need to reschedule or whatever. He's like, no, 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 it's not okay that I was late. And he was very professional about it, and we appreciate his time, obviously. And all like that. Like, there's so many, especially because, like, for interviews, too. I can't really say we've had a bad interview. Like, everybody that we've had on the show, both last year and then this past year, were so great. Uh, As far as, like, my favorite episode goes... I almost want to say the one where we like we're talking about how, uh there was the whole if you pl- if you leave the Atlantic League because of the mound thing, you're going to get blackballed. I almost want to say that was it, not because it's the subject matter, but just because it was like, oh, we're doing journalism again, and like <laughs> like it. I don't mean to say as though like we're not actually always reporting stuff, but like. The way that this show was kind of started at least in my mind was kind of like an amalgamator of all news from around it wasn't really like doing a lot of journalism stuff and then occasionally you know i'd be like oh well you know this is interesting let me go down the rabbit hole and then you'd find stuff like that and what's kind of like cool to me about this is that there was players and staff and everything that felt comfortable enough to go hey I'm going to tell these guys about it because they're our best voice that we have. This is our best chance at getting this information out and like going through all of it. And like the whole, like the whole of everything around that was just so cool to me for that. So that was definitely, uh, I think that was my favorite episode just because of everything that went around it. Maybe not because of content wise, but just everything that went into it, um, for that. Although, yeah. Although I will say my favorite moment from 21 was certainly uh, going on the, uh, the ESPN show in Albany. That was definitely on the radio. That was definitely the coolest moment. And it's kind of weird to think that that was about a year ago now, but that was really cool. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Which, which I tried desperately to plug this show on that thing. And I'd like to believe it worked a little bit. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, on to number twelve, uh, dream guest for the podcast. This is kind of hard because we've already had like so many big name guys here. But for me, it'd probably be Miles Wolf. Like that dude is yes. basically the guy that started modern independent league baseball. So I'd love to be able to get him on the show. That
1: Miles Wolf is a really good one. I, I I was I thought about it. I thought about Miles Wolf uh, and then I decided to go in a different direction. But I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah. Uh, dream guest of the podcast for me, Todd Frazier and the reason yeah. I say Todd Frazier is just cause you don't see a guy that playing in the, in, in the big leagues to just like, ju- just the fact that he uh, just even just playing on, on the Sussex County Miners and just from an outside perspective, a guy that's seen it all, like how does he, like, how does he compare like in Indie ball, like to all of those other experiences and like, I don't know, it would just be a lot of questions I'd love to ask him and, uh, about like the, about that short time in in Sussex as well. Uh, that yeah, as far as what a dream guest, it, it would have to be Todd Frazier.
0: Yeah, Todd Frazier's also up there. He's a good one to bring up too. Like Ty Kelly would be cool too. Really, any former major leaguer would be cool because we've had former Team USA players, but we haven't had an actual major leaguer yet. Close, but not quite yet. So yeah. that's definitely a goal for a 22 though. I think is to try and get a. Uh, A former major leaguer on the show how cool would that be or even better get like a current one how cool would that be (laughs) uh that'd be crazy yeah crazy Uh. all right uh number 13 who else are we going to be interviewing um this we really don't have specifics normally if we have the interview already scheduled then we obviously promote it as much as we can um there's a list of names i have that i actually do need to get busy on trying to get them scheduled and everything but by and large, I think there's more going to be a, more of a focus on going towards players and coaches this year. In the past, we've done more executives, and <clears throat> that was just more or less because, I'll be honest, I didn't really trust my interviewing skills to go for players and whatnot, just because my line of questioning is normally more geared towards front office personnel or, you know, executive types as opposed to players and whatnot. Uh Then also, I just want to make sure I'm keeping, you know, questions from getting repetitive, from asking the same ones over and over again. Because while the answers may be different and maybe even more interesting than the last time I asked the question, it does get a bit tiring knowing going into an interview. Okay, this dude's going to ask this question, this question, this question. It's just the order that's going to be different. I feel like I've kind of broken that habit of doing that and gotten over the fear of doing that. So definitely more of a player and coach focus as opposed to an executive focus, but there's still like a handful of executives that I definitely want to get or from areas that I want to get on the show. So I definitely say that.
1: Yeah. I mean, not, not too much else else to add on there. Definitely. uh, Hopefully looking forward to those player and coach interviews that are coming up
0: soon. Yeah, definitely. We're going to get back on that train in January. So probably I, I'd say hopefully mid January, we'll start again, probably try to keep that rolling until, uh, until really we get into the actual season hopefully with only like a couple of off weeks um uh going from there future episode plans this kind of goes hand in hand with the last question uh as far as like future planned episodes um definitely want to do like kind of the indie ball hall of fame one the kind of traditional expansion draft one i definitely want to do definitely want to get to like the uh year and reviews for these uh for these different teams and whatnot, or different leagues, rather, I'm doing already the team series on the Instagram and on the website. You can go and check those out to get actual team recaps. But as far as league recaps, I'd like to do an episode for each major league.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the on the on the Indie Ball Hall of Fame one, um, definitely something like uh, as we get more and more towards Hall of Fame season. If you if you pay attention on Twitter, you got. Some ballots that are trickling in, Uh, will will A-Rod and Clemens, or not A-Rod, well, I guess A-Rod kind of, but uh, he's on the ballot, uh, but no real shot of him getting in this year. Uh, Will Bonds and Clemens get in in their last year? And of course, my guy David Ortiz, uh, hopefully getting in, it looks like he's on a good track to do so. I think it would be really fun to do an Indy Ball Hall of Fame. Uh, episode i mean uh th- thinking back to some of the unique episodes we've had in the past like in the off season like creating our own indie ball team uh yeah. that that, w- that was fun and um i think that you know i i think that, that in, the indie ball hall of fame is definitely something I'd, I'd look forward to and just like kind of researching getting a ballot getting a ballot together um there's so many possibilities we could do with that uh, that I'd I'd really be I'd really love to do at some point uh, during the winter when everything's kind of slow.
0: Yeah, that that one's definitely one I've been thinking about for a while too. I'd love to get like other people involved in it as well to like make it like a real formal process of like, okay, we collectively have a ballot of names that meet the criteria. Now we have everybody here that's kind of like involved in the greater indie ball sphere. Vote on who would get in and whatnot. Like, I would like to really kind of make it almost like a semi-formal thing. But, yeah, that's definitely one that we're yeah. going to definitely do this year. I, that was one I'm really looking forward to. That and the expansion draft one. I'm really, really looking forward to doing that, too. Because I think that's going to be really fun. Um, yeah. Uh, on to number 15. It's another um, expansion-related question. Uh, will the be expand again soon? If so, where to? um again as far as expansion goes i always like to put it in this kind of grouping where it's i never ruled it out but i also never expected i feel like the atlantic league's pretty happy with where they're at at the moment i know there's some rumor around like pulaski virginia i've heard i've heard obviously salem we've heard Lowell has had rumbling, of course. Um, there's other teams that have been rumored to jump there. Um, obviously, there's also Team Kentucky now, which from the way that, you know, Colt Tech talked about it on our last show, it certainly doesn't seem like this is a one-off type of thing. I also don't think Mark Mitakazi would leave a job, even if the ownership group owns all the same teams and it's just moving around chairs i think it'd be a real hard sell to move a guy from a permanent team to a temporary team and then be like hey we're gonna kick the dude out we just hired for the permanent team i i think that kind of musical chair thing just really wouldn't fly so i kind of get the sense it's more of a long-term thing you know uh so i wouldn't really have you know any timeline on atlantic league expansion i also wouldn't really have any net like hammered down dates either.
1: Well, I mean, let, let's, t- let, let's take into account what we already know. Right. So there's the, there's the eight teams that were in the league last year, Staten Island being added no. uh, this season along with, along with the Kentucky team. I, I agree, Nick. I think that it would be a really odd. I think this year is more of a, a trial run than anything. So if it doesn't work, you can simply just bring in Hagerstown uh, next in 2023, say, all right, like, that was just a one year thing. Uh, and you just chalk your losses, you move on. But I think it's something that's so unique and something that's never been done. It's almost kind of a, a, a there is there is risk involved. But yeah. at the end of the day, there's an easy out for you if, if it doesn't work. Right. Uh, if, the, if having two teams in one ballpark and playing so many home dates doesn't work, you have an easy out. So, and then the Atlantic, you could say, well, we wanted 12 teams by 2023. It's going to end up being 10. Oh, well, like, you know, t- and 10 teams is still a, still a good size league. So, um, I think that as far as obviously Staten Island in, uh, the Kentucky team, I, if it works, uh, let, let, and let's hope it does and maybe it's here to stay as well uh that's 10 we know hagerstown's going to come in in 2023 barring any delays with their uh, construction of their new ballpark uh so that'd be 11 then you're looking at all right well where else could they move to I it's still the same names we've referred to in the past I, I hope maybe uh, Salem Lowell we'll, we'll, we'll have to see uh really um I'm not sure if there's unless there's like some other market, say like a Gastonia uh, that kind of just popped out of nowhere. And, and it was just like a a, a ballpark uh, that had to be built in, in a brand new market in a brand new city. But as far as the ones with stadiums already um, and Hager sounds a little bit different because they, they had they were an affiliated affiliated market for so long before knocking down their stadium. That's been uh, standing since like the 1500s. <laughs> uh, I think that, uh, I mean, what, it was probably like built by Christopher Columbus after he came to the U.S. I mean, that's how old that stadium was. So, I mean, yeah. uh, so I think that it's probably the same names that you've been hearing. And certainly I hope so. Cause moving to Salem or Lowell would be good as well, but maybe there's something that, that we haven't even talked about
0: that isn't even on our horizon. And
1: you know, I, I think it's definitely a possibility. They, they've done it before. I wouldn't be surprised to see them do it again.
0: Yeah, like, the easiest way to find what markets would be interested in expanding, just try to, like, in your free time, just look up, like, new community-built ballparks that aren't being built for colleges. That's really it. Or, like, future improvements on communities. Like, look for up-and-coming cities or ones that were really big, but then kind of hit a rough patch. Things like that. Perfect way to kind of pick them out as to what's going to be interesting what's not going to be interesting plus keep in mind too let's say that MLB figures out the Rays situation they figure out the the A's situation as well and they look to expand there's going to need to be what another four new teams for that expansion club that would come in for their minor league system that's going to affect things, too, and I have to imagine they'd be open to poaching indie ball teams or partner league teams, rather. So that's something to also keep in mind here, too, which could throw a whole another element into this uh, as well.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think uh, there's still a lot to be determined, but I think that uh, we'll, we'll get some answers because uh, if the Kentucky team stays, there's got to be someone there. There's got to be someone added. Uh, I don't think they want to do another traveling team again, so we'll have to see.
0: Exactly. So, on to number 16. Uh, What was the the Wonka rant Nick teased earlier in the year? Uh, That, I could make my thing to add if I really wanted to. I forgot that this was a question in the Q&A. But the long and short of that thing is basically, um, if you think about it, Willie Wonka's factory is using slave labor just to get down to it. Because there's no way in hell that those Oompa Loompas are being, you know, properly compensated. And... I I have a feeling that immigration status is also dubious at best, and the whole thing is really a walking, well, not the walking death trap because the factory is actually you know cemented into the ground. But the factory is chock full of OSHA violations. There's no handrails, not to mention the FDA violations. I don't see any oompa loompas wearing you know really any sort of protective gear or hair nets in a food factory. Uh, there's just like a slew of violations here. Uh, And like I said, it's not really made clear how Wonka got those Oompa Loompas to that factory. Um, You know, it's implied that he rescued them from some far off land where they're being, you know, like killed in mass by native inhabitants or something or native wildlife or whatever it may be. But I mean, that also could easily just be a cover As well, So there's a lot going on there, not to mention Grandpa Joe is also kind of an asshole. I mean, there's no real way around that. Uh, The dude just kind of lays in bed for however many years while the family's clearly struggling to survive. And then Charlie walks in, he's got a trip to a candy factory, and what do you know, he's like an Olympian now. He springs up out of bed as though he's doing the high vault. And he's, he's ready to go. And he also almost screws Charlie out of his reward and gets him killed, might I add, in the room with the fan and the fizzy lifting drink. There's an awful, awful lot going on there. So uh, perhaps one day in the future we'll go more down that rabbit hole. But really, it's just poking a lot of holes and was essentially a child story in a, a family movie. It's really what that comes down to. It's basically me being an ass uh, to answer that question.
1: Yeah, one of my favorite rants you've gone on in the show. So yeah. I, I, I always love it and totally agree with it now that I think
0: of it. I mean, really, when you get down to it, that place is just such a dangerous place to be. I mean, how many children were maimed or killed in that factory?
1: Oh, we don't know. I mean, they, they, don't, they don't properly report their data.
0: Exactly. I mean, hell, one child almost suffocated in a chocolate river. And might I add, they didn't get rid of the chocolate in that river, which makes me believe they just continued to use it after a rather large austrian child fell into the chocolate river and clogged up a pipe that definitely contaminated that chocolate and i'm not sure about you dear listener but i wouldn't want to eat the chocolate from which a rather large child fell into um i especially in what appears to be like 1960s or 1970s england uh i just you know i have a feeling that that cho- that they weren't very clean and that that food is not uh, not quite safe to eat Uh, so there's a lot there another expansion question for number 17 uh and this time it's American Association expansion don't really know where to we're gonna have Josh uh, back on again probably not too far off probably within the next few months so we'll ask him that then he'd be way more qualified to answer that than what I hear but I could probably say Grand Prairie is a place that's been tossed around a lot I have no idea what's happening with Shakopee I know I mentioned that a while back. But that would obviously be a nice place. There's a whole slew of possibilities here, but again, I'm not even sure how gung ho they are about expanding. They're at a good number right now, so
1: yeah, agreed. Um, I think that I, I don't I, I don't know how how much they're they're looking to expand at this point. Um, so I don't know. We'll we'll we'll, we'll see. I, I think that, like you said, I think they're they're at a solid point. Right now, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Jackson, if they want to go back there, oh, we'll 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 have to. Uh...
0: Well, I mean, Jackson also just got. The oh, well, Jackson's league. in the Prospect
1: League. Never mind.
0: Yeah, so I mean, that that's also a lot part of the uh, a large part of the problem. It's a lot of markets that make sense for both the Frontier and the American Associations are already in college ball. It's a lot of the problem that exactly. the Atlantic League had back in like the recession era where a lot of their original teams either folded or wound up going to play in college leagues because it was just more affordable, the only way to keep the team really alive. So that that's kind of the issue is just, hey, right now it's not exactly a fun time to be running a baseball team in a pandemic. Your margins took a huge hit. The supply, te- supply chain issues, it's not exactly the best time in the world for that, so you might as well pick the option that cuts a significant expense, which is player expenses, you know. So it's just a business decision, really. exactly yep all right so we are on to 18 whatever happened to the western association fantastic question i don't really know i reach out to them they don't respond to me so yeah if anyone from the western association wants to come on and talk about their league that's great they have announced one team and teased another location that's about all they got now i think they may have may have announced the second team uh, but I don't really know. They really don't update anything, and no one really knows what's going on there. Yeah, es-
1: essentially, they announced the one team in Henderson, yeah. and then they went re- they went completely silent for about a year, yeah. and then they said, "Oh, the pandemic kind of screwed us. Um, we're not dead. More to come on the horizon," and proceeded not to say anything for another year. So I don't know. Uh, I, I don't I don't know what's going on there. I would be surprised if anything. Uh, gets off the ground at all if i'm being honest
0: exactly i think this is kind of like that southwest league that we talked about way way back in 2019 which is yeah it'd be pretty cool if it happened but it probably isn't gonna happen so i wouldn't hold my breath uh on to 19 who has had the best off season so far i'm going to just kind of throw one out there I think Gateway has. I think Gateway's had a very, very nice little off season. I think that they've really brought in some very nice pieces. A lot of guys that were originally going to be in Ottawa, and now because Ottawa's manager in Steve Brook is now Gateway's manager in Steve Brook, and Ottawa has uh, Brown as their manager. I, I like a lot of those pieces. I really like Steve Brook as a manager. I think he's a fantastic hire. So I really, really like that. I think there's going to be some other really good moves as well. And keep in mind, the last Frontier League that Steve Brook managed, he won a championship in with River City. It was a long time in River City. From my understanding, River City wasn't that far away from Gateway, so he kind of knows the area too. Getting players to play from is going to be probably about the same. I like that hire a lot. Obviously, the last few years haven't exactly been kind to Gateway. They haven't had good years, to put it bluntly. So dare I say expectations are low for them but I really do think they could probably put together a really solid season plus this year it's not like they're in a division of death like they were this past year you know in 21 where they had 350 plus win teams they were going against so even if they would have played 500 baseball it's not like they would have had a real shot at it so I'm gonna say gateway for right now but also it is as we record this 30 minutes to New Year's Eve so it's not exactly like uh we have too much offseason to, to the sack so far.
1: Yeah, so I think that um, it's obviously really early. Um, it's very early, so don't hold me to this. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Milkmen. Um, they've made they've made a lot of great moves uh, early on. Of course, uh, bringing back uh, bringing back. Guys like, uh, well, Christian Correa and, and Cole Sturgeon, at least them bringing uh, Cole Sturgeon uh, in, in in general was a, was a great move. I'd assume they're bringing him back. And, of course, um, bringing in, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, or, well, Christian Correa, Christian Correa got traded to Fargo. So for uh, for Correll Prime, I love the addition of Corel Prime, uh, as well as Dylan Kelly. Uh, I think that, again, in a very, very early uh in a very early answer i'll go milwaukee will that change probably but it's just really early
0: see the the strike against milwaukee for me is adam brett walker leaving like that's a major loss
1: that's fair that's fair so uh that's well, not a great answer but
0: like yeah i mean it's early that's the problem like if you were to ask this in like end of february march it'd be a much different answer because we'd have more to go off of. Hell, if you ask this in, uh, in like April, when we actually will start doing previews, then you'll get it like a really solid answer, you know? Uh, but right now it's just so early on, um, on to question 20 thoughts on the jackals and Miners. Um, As far as I'm going to assume that meant play on the field kind of thoughts and not organizational thoughts, because I think they're both pretty well-ran organizations, especially Sussex. As much as Tri-City fans probably don't like me complimenting them, um, they are very well-ran. They've always been good to us, so I'm not going to say anything bad there. I think the Jackals just kind of had a rough year. I think a lot of things just didn't really work out for them. I think they'll be better next year. I think that they're going to have a lot more uh cohesion and also it's just really tough for a year coming off a of pandemic where there's still kind of a, a quasi haze there it's hard to say i think it'll be better this upcoming season especially now that they're able to adapt because keep in mind the jackals had an older roster for the can-am league too so there was a lot of hard decisions that had to be made there sussex county um you no know, they just kind of fell off a cliff at the wrong time uh, I I don't ever want to count out a team that has Bobby Jones as their manager and Justin Fiorella as their GM. Uh, those two guys have been just magic for that team. Uh, they've just done so well for them. I mean, what was it, back-to-back championship games or championship series for consecutive years there for them uh, in 18 and 19. And then, you know, 21, they were looking to be really good to start. And then, like I said, just kind of tapered off. I Like I said, I think they're going to be good again, but it's just so early on, you can't really say much about the offseason, but I I do kind of expect them, both teams, to do better next year.
1: I agree. I think that There's no, there's no secret. Uh, The Jackals and the Miners had disappointing seasons. Uh, The Jackals specifically uh, had an incredibly disappointing season, and the Miners as well. I mean, this is a team that was thought to be favorites in the Frontier League, Uh, and they, for most, for a lot of the season, for a lot of the season, they were that team uh, that everyone had had made them out to be, and just uh, fell apart late. of course, and it played in a tough division. Washington uh, got really hot, and Washington made a lot of great moves and um, played really good baseball towards the end of the season. So I think that – I think I agree. I think both teams are are going to be better. Uh, As far as – I think it's a little bit of a a different issue, as I think uh, as far as Sussex, it was just a matter of just not playing well towards the end of the season. Losing some guys also didn't help from that initial roster at the beginning of the season. The Jackals I think it's another it's it's a whole different issue, more along the lines of uh just I think they struggled a little bit with that that transition to the from the Can Am League to the Frontier League. Uh I think they didn't they first of all they didn't really get a whole lot of production from their rookies and I think that's going to have to change as it as we see from Frontier League teams, you gotta have to you gotta have to find some some diamonds in the rough, especially from those rookies. Uh to they don't have to be your core players, certainly, but uh, they got it. They got to be able to contribute uh, in some sort of way. And I think that that's what the Jackals found out last year, uh, specifically pitching side of things. We knew they have veterans. They're always going to have veterans. They have those connections, but they, they need to get better in, in other aspects. Uh, and I think, I think they will. I think they will. They have, a, they have, a, they're a franchise with a ton of success. Uh, I, I think long-term, they'll be fine. It was just a year of kind of a feel it out year that, uh, transitioning from the can-am league to the frontier league uh and just you know they had a lot they had a lot of struggles because of it and it also didn't help that they played in in a really really talented division
0: yeah that was that was a major problem too they had a really rough schedule too because even like even the teams they played in the i want to say was like the the, because they had i forget the the division names because now i'm on the spot but their division was tough because washington and sussex but Also, Rockland was like, like I said, they were about a 400 team. So they weren't that difficult, but they also weren't easy at the same time. And Quebec had a surprisingly good year. And Tri-City, for like the last two-thirds of the season, were a force. So that's obviously a a struggle for them too. So that's also part of it. But uh, we'll see how they do in 22. Uh, Question 21, though. Are you doing the Indie Ball rankings this year? This is something I want to get off the ground. It's basically like how you'll see... uh, the polls for college football or baseball or basketball or hockey or whatever it may be. I definitely want to do this. I'm kind of in the process of working it out. And then it's just a matter of getting people that I know will consistently and reliably send in their polls for the end of the week to make sure it's done. Uh, But yeah, this is something I definitely want to do. I've wanted to do it for a while. And I think this is one of those things that's very, very achievable, very possible to do.
1: Yeah, I know Nick is very passionate about this. So I, I, I would hope that this is something that happens this year because I think it could be a real success. And I think it, it, could, be a, it could be a thing that a lot of people that, that leagues take with and run. So I hope so. I, 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 ser- I certainly hope that uh, the Indy Ball rankings is something that happens
0: this year. Yeah, I, I really want this one to work. So we'll see. Uh, 22, why are you so harsh on the Apollos? I wouldn't say we were harsh on the Apollos. I'd say we judged them appropriately and we just didn't pull punches. I wouldn't call that being harsh. I'd say that's being honest. And the reality is they just weren't a good team. I don't begrudge them for it. There are guys that are talented ball players. They're more talented than I am. But they went up against levels of competition that were higher than they were. You know, like I'm sure all, most of those guys on that team could play in high A or lower. But they were going against guys that are probably double-A or higher level talent on most nights. And that's just going to be a hard gap to bridge. Plus, they had a very difficult lot in playing every game on the road, having to travel from place to place, in all sorts of conditions and whatnot. It was just a rough lot for them. And you saw that the struggle off the field eventually crept onto the field. And then just, like I said, they were, what, a 20-win team? So I can't call a team that goes 20 and 80, you know, a good team. It's just a matter of saying, hey, they're just not that good. That's fine. They weren't expected to be good. And that's kind of where I'm at on it. It's like, again, I don't mean to, you know, begrudge any of the players or coaches. I'm sure they did their very best. I'd hope that they would have. And, you know, I think they should be proud of the fact that they had very difficult circumstances and they managed to finish out the year. And they did so in a respectable manner. And hell, They scored one of the most important wins in one of the most important games of the year in that last series against uh, Lincoln. They won two games, which kept Lincoln out of the postseason. So that was a a huge series for them. And that's, you know, if anything, it's a morale win. So there are positives to take away. Like I said, they're good players. It's just they were overmatched and you could see it. Well,
1: I think you're saying that they were a 20 and 80 team. Nick was a little bit nice too, considering yeah. they finished 17 and 83. <laughs> so uh, just, yeah, yeah, it's just reality. Um, I don't want I'm not going to add too much more onto that just because uh, it's a team that was dealt a tough situation from the beginning um, and traveling teams like that are never going to win. As far as the, as, as far as the actual, like traveling teams, like for example, like, uh, like like Quebec was, uh, was, was a little bit of a different story just because, uh, because of the talent base that they had, um, as opposed to, as opposed to Houston. I mean, but as far as traveling teams, Houston, definitely one of the, I guess, teams on the bottom end of those that I've seen, uh, that they really, really, really struggled, struggled to be competitive. I mean, they got some guys that, um, some guys are getting opportunities. I know one of their outfielders, Blake Barry, uh, had a good year uh, w- with Houston, and is now getting sh- an opportunity with Lake Country. So uh, certainly, some of those guys are going to get opportunities uh, elsewhere. Uh, however, uh, and, and I think it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good point you made, Nick. They won their last two games of the year, so uh, and those those ended up to sign the playoff race. Uh, uh, were and they they ended up. Uh, knocking lincoln out of the playoffs so uh those games are always important and they can always hang their hat on that but you know i think it's just reality we're going to tell it like it is
0: exactly and i mean you could see there's a lot of players from that team that found up in the pioneer league that have found up like you said on lake country that i think are going to get opportunities and you're going to see their names come up again it's just this year wasn't you know good so 23 why do you guys keep talking to lincoln players We haven't really actually talked to any Lincoln Lincoln players or uh, Lexington. My mistake. I misread it. My bad. (laughs) Why do you keep talking to Lexington players? There we go. I read it correctly. Uh, We actually haven't talked to any uh, Lexington players unless you want to count. attack. Now, if you keep asking why we keep talking to people that wind up working with or for Lexington, that's another question. And that answer is they're just really like open. They're like, Hey, do you want us to come on the show? And when we reach out, we're like, hey, you want to come on the show? They're like, sure, why not? Uh, So that's part of it. Uh, The reason why we had Jesse on in back-to-back weeks was, well, it was fitting in back-to-back weeks. So that also, we had a really fun time talking to him. And I mean, when you have the opportunity to spotlight a guy that has hair like that, you just got to take advantage of that. But more importantly, yeah, it just, it kind of works out that way. And we've really only had three guys who were at the time working for lexington and one guy that would later go on to work for lexington so it's not really like it's that many but there is a admittedly abnormal number well i mean to
1: to answer the question directly we've talked to zero lexington players however um i i think i think think you're right not to mention they're just interesting right i mean look look at the team itself i'm a team that won the championship in their first season in the in the Atlantic League, uh, something that you very rarely see—a team that was able to build such a great roster um, from from no real track record outside of, uh, of course, affiliated ball—but that's a that's a whole different animal, and a whole different ball game, um, and and a team that's ha- housing two teams in their ballpark this summer. I mean, they, it's interesting. They're an interesting story, uh, and so I think that. Uh, I think that is the reason we keep talking to people from Lexington, because there's always something new with them that's always interesting. Uh, and uh, and they're, they're always pushing boundaries that, uh, that have never really been seen before. I mean, both an in indie ball on a larger scale and, and the Atlantic League as a whole.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of brings us to the question 24, which is why do you favor some teams more than others? I wouldn't really say we favor them unless you're talking about the amount of time we spent talking about them. I'd say 90% of that is either they're just so happen to be the good or bad team of the week, and it just so happens to work out that they're doing stuff worthy of note, or they're just a the local team that we're able to cover more easily and that most of the people listening are interested in. So that's really the case for Sussex is Sussex and New Jersey, we can more easily see those games so we can more accurately talk about them. And again, a lot of people in northern New Jersey listen. So we're going to talk about the northern New Jersey teams. Likewise, for like, say, Tri-City, they were really bad to start the year. And then they got really good in the middle of the year. And then at the end of the year, they were like, "Okay, this is definitely a good ball team, although they kind of leveled off a little bit. So they were just a really interesting story to talk about. Lexington, again, to bring them up. They were just really good, so we just kind of kept talking about them. Same thing with Kansas City. They just were really good, so we kept talking about them. That that really is it. It's not like we, we want one team to do better than the other. I mean, we may say on the show, like, oh, I, I selfishly am hoping that this team wins because it will make it easier to uh, to cover them, or I want this matchup to happen. But I'm just kind of I'm cool with whatever happens, really.
1: I mean, listen, admittedly, I've been, I've been very open with the fact that, uh, that I was, that I was, uh, a Somerset Patriots fan when, when they were in the Atlantic League. So, I mean, I'm, I'm upfront about it. Uh, as far as, uh, I mean, now I don't really have a team at the moment. I don't know. Maybe that'll change. Uh, but something's got to speak to me. Uh, nothing, nothing's, uh, spoke to me yet. And so we'll, we'll have to see as far as that. Uh, but as far as, as favoring teams, I think, I mean, you just talk about the more interesting stories. Why do sports talk shows always talk about LeBron James every day? Because uh, there's something new with him pretty much every day. Uh, and of course, now with the Lakers, they're bad. So uh, that that's a lot of uh, a lot of stories and talking points revolve around that. It's the same kind of deal. Uh, so I think, I mean, if you'd rather have us talk about. Um, 500 teams in the in the Frontier League and the American Association and the Atlantic League. I mean, unless there's something that interesting about them, uh, I mean, we're probably going to spend less time on them. I mean, we I think we, we talk about all teams, but it's just whatever team is more interesting and a better story. I mean, Tri-City was a fascinating story this year. That's why we talked about them so much, and I, I don't regret that for a second.
0: Yeah, like, if anything, I wish we would have probably talked about, like, an Evansville a bit more who technically had their best year of sure. franchise history and missed the postseason, which got a sting. I like talking about that divisional race. We probably should have gotten that a little bit sooner if we're Monday morning quarterbacking it. But even still, I mean, like I said, it's not like we were filling in with like non-interesting things. when we were talking about, oh, look at this race is heating up for second place between Windy City and Lake Erie. It was kind of like, no, look, look at Tri-City. They're just doing stuff. Hey, look, they totally rebuilt their team in the middle of July. So, like, hey, you know, we got a few more. 25. You always make comps between leagues. How would you think the best indie ball team from each league would stack up against affiliated clubs? Um, I think we can both agree a AAA team would probably beat most independent league teams in a best of seven series. I
1: think they'd beat them all. But, yeah, uh, I think yeah, Kansas Kansas an entire AAA team would beat, would
0: beat them all. I think Kansas City could put up a good fight. I think they could drag it to six or seven games. But yeah, I'd, I'd yeah. agree with that. I also also got to keep in mind too, like are we talking a, a roster that is totally unpoached and we get to take the best players from that past year and line them up? Or are we talking about, like, the roster that finishes the year or the roster at its best point? Like, what are we using as our metric of reference here? That being said, I... I think the only way, like, for a AAA team to really lose a seven-game set is if you went with, like, an all-star team. I think that would then make it a very interesting matchup. Uh, That said, I think... The best of them could probably beat up on a lot of A teams. I think they'd probably be about 50-50 split. I think most teams could either hold their own or beat up on high A and low A teams. Like I always said, I think the higher level of independently club is probably comparable to like a high double A level or like a low A. that kind of quasi in between. But I think most teams kind of, you could... If you were to take an average, I think would probably fall somewhere between high A and double A, I think would be uh, be where it is at.
1: Yeah, I, I have to agree with that. I think that, I mean, pretty much all indie ball teams uh, will be better than a low A team. Most of them will be better than a high A team. I think double A is where you get to that interesting point uh, because, you know, uh, in double A, I think the... Uh, like it, it's interesting because certain aspects of the game are better. Um, I think you have better pitchers in double a, uh, excuse me, in, in, in indie ball more, more so than double a, but in double a pitchers throw a lot harder. Yeah. Um. So maybe their stuff is better, but it's not as refined. So how that play would play out in a game. I tend to lean towards the better pitcher, but uh, I, you know, it, it's baseball, weird stuff happens. So I think that, I the best indie the best independent league teams, like if you were to say like an Atlantic League and American Association, which I think are are both very, very close to each other, I think you're talking uh good like high double A, low AAA, uh Frontier League. I think you're talking probably um like a very good high A team and a uh and uh or a not so great double a team. I think that's kind of, that that's basically where you're looking at, I think, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Plus, you also got to factor in ballparks and stuff like that, too. You know, there's just a lot of other just kind of environmental factors got to work in here for the specifics of it. Like how would each of the best teams So, let's say league champions hold up? I think Lexington would do pretty okay. Kansas City would do pretty okay. Schaumburg would be just a coin flip because I really don't know how to gauge them. They're a good team with a lot of good parts, but they just didn't have like the best regular season record, so I can't tell if, that's, if they got hot and played really good baseball at the best possible time of year, or if that's uh, they're actually this good and they were just kind of pacing themselves or what the hell they really are. But yeah, just kind of apply everything we just said over the past few minutes to that and you'll get your answer yeah exactly yeah uh 26 if you can make a single major indie league what would that look like are there any places that don't currently have a team that you would add we've answered this question before in the past i know uh so we won't spend too much time on it but generally speaking i just combine all three like the three major ones possibly add in the pioneer league too for effect. maybe throw a team in like an atlantic city maybe like we mentioned in the past uh Ocean City, Maryland, maybe like just a couple of pop ups places too. But by and large, I think the current geographical setup is pretty good. I don't think there's too many missing markets uh, there. Uh, So I'm I'm pretty comfortable with where it's at right now. I think everything's working pretty good here as it stands.
1: Yeah. So I think if, because, I don't know, let me think quick math. If you would, uh, you're adding, you're, you're taking the current 15 from the Frontier League, you're adding the current uh, nine minus the Kentucky team from the from the Atlantic League. That's twenty-four, uh, and then plus the Frontier. Uh, that yeah, that's a little. That would be a massive league. But yeah. uh, and then so the American Association with
0: twelve, I think, uh,
1: with twelve. Yeah. So then that's thirty-six teams. That's a lot of teams. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you'd have to add any more to that to than a th- than thirty-six teams. But you know, it's like some. Sort drop out full for whatever reason. Um, I would I would love I love adding those teams in those tourist destinations, and I think that that would be that, that would be a good spot wherever that might be. If Old Orchard Beach would finally come along up in Maine, or uh, you know, Atlantic City, if they their ballpark, whatever, like you know, figure out if they'd ever figure out what they're actually doing with it, or um, or maybe my idea of Ocean City, but we'll have to see. But uh, that that would probably be my answer to that. I don't think you need to add m- m- many more than, I mean, a 30 16 team. A 30 16 league would be massive. I don't know if there'd be even room to add the Pioneer League, or if then you're just getting insane.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, you are like this perfectly summarizes an earlier question about the Pioneer League. This is why we don't cover them that much. Already, it's kind of insane to cover 36 teams between two people, it's just really, really hard to do. You know, it's, it's one thing if you have, like, four or five people or a small team behind you to keep up with all of this. When it's just two people doing it and not even doing it full time, it, it just becomes so incredibly difficult that, you know, it, it's hard to get everything there and to give it the proper quality coverage it deserves. So um, with that, question 27. What is the single most impressive feat you have both personally seen at an indie ball game? I, it's hard for me to say off the cuff here, uh, thinking about, I've seen some really impressive catches and things like that. The most impressive moment though, I'd probably go, uh, is, uh, Martin Figueroa's walk-off in the 2018 Can-Am League final. That, that was very impressive to see. That whole sequence leading up to it was very, very impressive and uh, that moment itself was one of the best baseball moments I've seen in, in person ever because I just the amount of excitement in the ballpark between nervous energy and just excitement and then to, to work to a basis loaded situation with two away and then to have the walk off grand slam. That's that's it, it was something else that I I'd- I'd probably lean towards that.
1: Yeah, the, the Figaro one was just—I mean—one of the best moments in, in all of in, in the history of Indie Ball for sure. Um, as far as in personally seen, one that I wish I could have seen, and I'm going to preface this—I'm uh, w- going to preface my answer with this because I wish I could have been there. And as a guy that was at most Somerset Patriot games uh, when they were an Atlantic League club, uh, most Somerset Patriot home games, I should say, I—I uh, was not there for the Rick Teasley. 27 up, 27 down, but they lost one nothing. I was out of town. I was on a church mission trip in Virginia, uh, so I was not there. I heard about it, obviously, and, and could not believe it. And literally when I heard that they lo- ended up losing that game one nothing, I said, yep, that sounds exactly like the Somerset Patriots this year. I'm like, that is I mean, that is 100% accurate. Uh, so I wish I could have been there for that, Uh Unfortunately, I was not one of the few games that I, I, I did not attend that year, and boy, that was a mistake. Now, as far as what is the most impressive feat, so I'm going to twist that a little bit and say just the craziest in general. Um, there are a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, things I could go with. I'm going to go with, like, one that I'll never, ever forget, Um and that, to me, would be, it was a regular season game between the New Britain Bees and the Somerset Patriots in 2019. Uh, and it was 7-6, two outs in the ninth inning. Ramon Flores hit a ball off the center field wall, and I believe Darren Ford out there crashed into the wall, uh, and, uh, and the ball rolled away. And Ramon Flores tried to go all the way around the bases for a game-tying inside the park home run. Uh, it was a bang, bang play at the plate. He was called out. Uh, and although everyone in the ballpark saw that the ball, that the catcher didn't catch it. I believe it was Logan Moore yeah. for, for new Britain. He, he did not catch the ball. Uh, and there were, there was video that surfaced where he literally just went and picked up the, picked up the ball as, as the um, calls him out. And then like, is arguing with Glenn Barker, the third base coach. Um, and, and, and uh, like it was so obvious that the call was blown, uh, and then you know pictures were surfacing or, or whatever is like pictures, videos. That, I mean, it could not have been more obvious. And then they ended up the the Patriots protested the game and won the protest, which is the first time I've ever seen a game turned on a. I mean, it was a judgment call technically. Yeah, I've never seen a game protest and uh actually that. work yeah and uh however so they came back played the game like before the game the next before the next the scheduled game the next day uh new britain ended up winning anyway so it didn't end up mattering but man that was a surreal about like 20 hours i mean that was that was crazy just insane so i'm gonna i'm gonna answer that one like that
0: that 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 is a a amazing thing to see i'll give you that uh so we go on to some last minute ones that we got this morning. We'll try and be quick about these because I see we're, we're running a little bit longer. Uh, but we do want to get to them because they were submitted and I want to make sure everybody gets their question answered. If, there's a lock, if the lockout continues into the Major League Baseball season, how will that affect Indie Ball? Uh, I'm going to kind of give you a, a dodge answer on this. We're actually planning on doing a whole episode about how the lockout affects Independent League Baseball. So I'm not sure if you want to add anything to that right now, Will, and answer it directly or not. But I do know this is kind of a plan for like a couple weeks from now when we undoubtedly get a slow news day. We're going to talk about this. So I feel like it may just be more appropriate just to answer that then. Yeah.
1: Yeah, let's save it for that episode. I think it's a great question that deserves a very in-depth answer uh, because there is a lot of history behind it as well. That I think would be a really interesting discussion that uh, we really wouldn't be able to answer in, uh, fully in this setting the weight deserves to be. Uh, but I think we should wait for to ha- so we can get a full, uh, a full answer with lots of background and possibilities and stuff like that. It could be really interesting. Uh, so I, I'd say we should do it justice and uh, and hold off on
0: it. 100% agree. So we will we'll put that one there. Uh, and hopefully you'll enjoy your answer when you get that in a little bit here best things in life will take some time all right what influences who you choose to do interviews with Um, a lot of it is if it's timely if they're interesting and if they're willing to come on the show Um, timely is probably the least important of those factors sometimes it just happens to work out where You know, we were planning on having somebody from the American Association on. And it just so happens that American Association news dropped a week before or the same week of. So we're able to ask right about that. Uh, If someone's interesting, you know, a commissioner, a coach, uh, in the case of the Toastman, just a very interesting figure. uh, Then we're going to bring him on and just talk to him because it's going to be interesting. It's going to be entertaining. And then... Obviously, the most important is if they're willing to come on the show, if they're not willing to, then obviously we can interview them if they don't want to come on the show. So that's really what kind of goes into it. Um, there, I have nothing against interviewing or interviewing anyone or not interviewing anyone. It really is just, do I think that, that they're going to be interesting? Is it relevant? Uh, and is it timely as like a lasting uh, last point?
1: Yeah, not too much to add on, on to that. I think those are the factors that that you're looking at. So, uh, yeah, I guess not not really much more to add on on that from from my perspective.
0: All right. Uh, what do you have against the Pecos League? Looking for a thorough answer. All right. Uh, I'll try to give it like quick but thorough, if at all possible, to do that. Uh, I don't really have anything directly against the Pecos League. The reason why I'm kind of maligned about it is because you just hear so many mixed reactions coming out of it. And you have people that openly admit it's a grinder league where it's more so than any independent league. Obviously, there really is no cushy ride in minor league baseball as a whole, especially with independent league too. It's a bit more of a grinder type thing. Obviously, there are some teams that are better off financially than other teams so they're able to do more on that front they have nicer facilities newer facilities nicer travel accommodations things like that that's kind of a given the pecos league though it just has such a checkered history and it just is it's it it just feels like a semi-pro league to me to be blunt about it because it's like a lot of guys just aren't really paid that much for a while they were doing the whole you can pay and play type thing uh there's, there's so much going on about it. Plus, like, the scores aren't really consistent. They play on a lot of just kind of like city parks, or at least did for quite some time. Um, it, it's just... They just don't feel as professional as everybody else. And, yeah, I just... They, they just... There's a clear difference between them and everything else once you start actually looking into it. When you start just doing... The, like, even little basic things, like, if you look at the Pecos League website versus any of the other, like, really four partner leagues now, you could tell, like, okay, one of these looks like it was built in 1993, the other ones look like they were built in this decade. So, it just, like, it, it doesn't seem to treat itself as professional, and that's not the same thing against the players, because obviously if you're playing in the Pecos League, you're playing there because you want an opportunity to go to another independent league, and it works. It certainly does work. There have been guys that have made the majors after playing in the Pecos League. There have been a lot of guys that have carved out careers in the Pecos League. that have had careers extended by the Pecos League. They've got coaching opportunities there. And there's a lot of guys that are doing things the right way, hard way, the whole nine. So I don't want to make it something like a whole like kind of dismissal of the whole league, but there's just so much about it and how much of they say grinder league as I see as it, kind of like, oh, horribly underfunded. It's just like, it almost feels like a Mickey Mouse league, to be honest. I think that's kind of the best way of describing it to me. And it may sound harsh, but that, if anything, that's what I have against the Pecos league. Although, like I said, I wouldn't necessarily say I have anything against it. I just kind of view it differently than everything else, because I think it serves a different purpose than the other leagues.
1: Yeah, I don't, I I hate the term, like, when people use the excuse of it being a grinder league uh, in order in order to uh, excuse some of the things that go on in that league. And it's obviously underfunded. Uh, There's, uh, I mean, you've, there's been the story. There's been stories uh, about, you know, players uh, paying to play or, uh, or, you know, staying at uh, like paying for their own like hotel room or something, other problems with hotels or motels or wherever. Um, Yeah. It's just not, there, there's, it's just not. it's not very well funded uh and there's not it's not run like the other leagues the other independent leagues either so it's hard for me to put them in that class uh certainly nothing against the players coaches or whatever it's just uh the league setup i i also don't love how the commissioner of the league owns all of the teams not a fan of that or owns so many of them um not not a huge fan of that either but yeah, I mean, it's definitely more of a, a Nick question than me, but uh, that that's how I feel about it.
0: Would expansion dilute the product on the field? I assume that means just kind of as a general Indie Ball statement. I'll answer that quickly. No, when there's plenty of players, there's always guys going undrafted that are talented, always guys from lesser known schools that don't have many opportunities after they graduate to play. Players, as Josh Schaub said on this show back in. 2020 although granted in a much different context is players are the least concerned because you can always find good players there's a lot of good players so i would say no expansion really isn't that a concern as far as quality goes
1: yeah i i think that you you've never seen i think you saw a little bit of a pitching shortage this year i hope that evens out but i think overall there's always guys that are trying to get into indie ball. I don't think you you ever really have, run into a problem where you don't have uh, enough players, or you you have a, a problem getting a lack of players. It's always it's always a quality, uh, it's always like a quality question more than a quantity question, and and it, and it always will be.
0: Yeah, like I said, like he he's explicitly asking if it would affect quality on the field. I don't think it would. I think you bring up an interesting point about pitching, but I think we're going to start seeing that kind of level off. I think that. It was just kind of a weird year coming out of a, a no minor league season type year. I think as we start to get back to normal, it'll start to level out. I think quality won't be an issue. Um, if you are in charge of the Pioneer League, where do you see yourself in 5 to 10 years? I think that is partially asking if we'd make any changes to the Pioneer League. And partially, where do we see the Pioneer League going in the next 5 to 10? I'm going to be honest... Predicting that far out is extremely difficult to do, and I don't think we'd be qualified to do so just from the lack of you know, focus that we have on the Pioneer League, which is, again, part of the reason we don't talk about them all too much. It's just we don't cover them all that much, so it's hard to say. I will say a couple of the things I would do is really start more of an online initiative to get more eyes on the product and really just try and make... As accessible of a product as possible, and I definitely do something to address the the offense, it needs to come down. You can't keep having 17 13 games. That's, I understand, there's an altitude effect, or an altitude effect that makes balls fly further and whatnot. I get that's part of it. I also understand, Pioneer League, you're going to have a less developed player, so you're going to have less developed pitchers, and most hitters can jump on at poorly thrown ball, especially professional hitters. I get that there's challenges there. It's going to be a high-scoring league, but let's try and keep the 15 plus runs per game games to a minimum.
1: Yeah, I think that um I think the pitching thing is a huge is a huge part of it as something that um, something that you got to look at. But overall, I mean, I think the league had a really successful first year. I think they're on the right path to becoming a successful and sustainable indie ball league. Um, So I'm not sure where they'll be in five years per se, but I think just making their games more like just as accessible as possible to the average fan looking to grow. Like I wouldn't, I would not like go towards a streaming service or anything for them. Uh, Just try to get the most possible eyes on the pioneer, on the pioneer league as you possibly can. I think that's the key uh for them uh but they're off to a good start so i certainly better than i thought they would do so they're, they're off to a great start and lo- looking forward to see uh how they continue
0: absolutely 100 agree there we have now the final two questions that were submitted and they were submitted pretty much under the wire too i mean we just got them in a, a couple hours ago like two hours before we started recording so uh <clears throat> Any near future expansion for the Frontier League that's more Midwest? I think we already kind of answered that. Nothing like they're going to do something to address that uh, that expansion or traveling team, rather. I don't know about where, but they will do something to address that in the kind of midterm distance future. Like I said, end of spring, early summer. You're going to get more news on that. What's being done to fill the Southern Illinois void? Traveling team for this year, more permanent team next year. We're still trying to figure out that location. TBD on that. We kind of answered that already. Yep. Is that? I guess that's it then. Yeah. And then uh, final question. So we finally reached the end, nearly ninety minutes later. Uh, has there been any discussions of doing an all-star game between the American Association and Frontier League? or possible Partner League League Champions Tournament. Um, well, I'll tell you I this wish. much. Yeah, I, I want that that kind of Memorial Cup uh, Champions League-style tournament. It's not happening as much as I want it to happen, maybe in the future. As far as the inner All-Star League thing, it was a lot more doable when Miles Wolf was the commissioner or in kind of had a hand in multiple leagues. You saw that with the Can-Am. And the American Association, for a while, they did a thing. Uh, As far as the the two leagues here, I wouldn't expect that. I think everyone's just going to kind of keep it in-house. I don't think we wanted to have that kind of expense of traveling that far. Frontier League and Can-Am was different because they were working on a merger. And again, the Can-Am and the American Association was different because same commissioner and same founder. Uh, In this particular instance, between American and Frontier I don't really see it working out. I don't think it makes a lot of sense. Travel problems and the whole slew of else. And I think you'd have to check the dates. And I'm sure if the dates line up, I didn't get a chance to look at it before we started recording. So uh, I don't really think that there, that's a prominent thing. But I'll say this much when we have Josh Shaw back on, I'll, I'll ask him about it. But I, I don't think that's really in the cards right now.
1: Yeah, so I think that, as great of an idea of it as it is and how much I would love it um it's just not realistic uh to to expect I I hope they just do it maybe just one year it doesn't have to be a long-term thing just a uh, one year as far as an all-star game goes and that'd be great to see just for just for one year I hope it happens uh, I doubt it will but I, I hope it does
0: yeah it would be cool to see I'll say that And so with that, we have reached the end of the Q&A episode. We thank everyone that submitted questions for submitting the questions. We look forward to doing it again next year. We look forward to bring you a full 365 days of independently content. This episode is going to come out on New Year's Day proper. Uh, So it's kind of funny that we're putting out back-to-back episodes on back-to-back holidays. But, hey, it works out that way. Every seven years it works out that way. So... Uh, as we go into what would it be 19, 20, year four now of the Indie ball report. Uh, thank you for all the support from the past year and past years. Hopefully we'll see more growth and more success in 2022. We look forward to it. Certainly um, before we go to the plugs and anything else, uh, will you have uh, anything you want to put in here before I hit the plugs?
1: I'll just th- just thank you to everybody for the support. I mean, it's, it's incredible to see just like how many, just how many people and how many parts of the country really care about. Um, and even past the country, I mean, Canada and all so many other countries w- that we've seen. It's really, uh, it's really cool to see how how passionate people are and how much people care about, about ball, And, and it's, it's a great privilege to be able to, to, to cover independent leagues like we do. Absolutely. Um, and so, and, uh, it, it's, it, it's an honor. And, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing to do it.
0: Yep, absolutely. Uh, definitely looking forward for doing this uh, for an indefinite amount of time. Who knows what the future will bring, but hopefully it'll always include this. And so with that said, uh, we go to our plugs. If you want to follow the show, you can do so on Instagram at alpb_news underscore news and at Indie Ball Report. Uh, If you want to follow on Twitter, you can do so at IndieBallPod. Those were the places we got pretty much all of these questions from. So if next year you want to submit questions or you have ideas for episodes or anything like that, be sure to ask them on those platforms, tagging us or just direct messaging us on those platforms. But you can also find all our contact information on the website, IndieBallReport.com. You can also find all the past episodes from this past year. You can find all the episodes uh, from past seasons. It's all organized actually by year now. So 2019, 2020, and 2021 episodes. So this actually will be the first one that goes under the the 2022 tab. That's kind of weird to think about. Uh, But also interviews are also separated there. Show notes are there. Articles are there. We mentioned earlier that there's a whole uh, team reviews for the past season. That's on the website. You can go there and check all of those out or on Instagram as well for that. Uh, So you can follow the show there if you want to follow the show so you don't miss a single episode, but you don't want to do it on the social media or the website. You can follow the show on Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podomatic, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. um, These are, like I said, pretty much every major podcatcher at this point has the show. So whatever your preferred listening destination is, you can listen to the show there. And so uh, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to keep the channel growing. Or not the channel, the, the show. It's a show. We don't use the YouTube channel much at all anymore. Uh, so to keep us growing and help us do more fun and exciting things in 2022. Hopefully we'll be able to get all the ideas we said uh, in this episode into reality and hopefully we'll come with some really cool episodes, some cool trips, some, some extra content for you also in 22. So uh, with that said, do we have anything else left to add on this behemoth of an episode?
1: Yeah, it's been super long. So I'm going to keep it really quick. Uh, College football bowl season's going on right now. Uh, Stop getting mad at players for opting out of bowl games. They're not getting paid and, uh, and them risking injury over just corporate sponsors getting rich off of a game. That doesn't really matter unless you're uh, unless you're in the playoff, of course. Stop getting mad at people for opting out of bowl games. They're kids. They're not getting paid. Uh, they have the right to do whatever they want. So please stop it. I don't want to hear that Kenny Pickett for Pittsburgh is uh, is selfish because he does, he's not putting his body on the line considering he's been a first-round NFL draft pick. Uh, for, to, to win the, the Chick fil A peach bowl. Like, I'm sorry. It's just, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. We've seen a couple, we've seen it happen numerous times where a player plays, uh, gets hurt and they either go undrafted or go very late. They cause, when there's actual money at stake, uh, it, it just can't happen. I commend, I'll never criticize a player for playing, but stop criticizing players who don't want to play in bowl games. Come on.
0: Never go after somebody that's an underclassman or a senior that is doing their best to secure the bag. That's oh, I used to be in the camp of, oh, make sure you take the most of your scholarship. But then I realized, wait a minute, if you're almost certainly going to get drafted, secure the bag, get the money. You can always go back to school afterwards to finish your degree or you could finish your degree while you're playing in the summers or in the winters, depending on what sport you you're in how many people do that yeah you can easily do that that is the best possible opportunity for you so do that i was going to bitch about the fact that the university of michigan men's hockey team is ducking western michigan by just not deciding to not play and somehow not being a forfeit but uh, i think we can save that for another day and uh, like i said appreciate all the support hopefully we'll have some real fun content for you going forward We'll be back to a regular show next week. And uh, until then, don't forget to play ball.